0: All the and go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?
1: Hello, and welcome to Where Am I to Go podcast. Today, before we start the show, I would like to bring up some business things that have kind of been on my mind so that you can know where to get more Where Am I to Go. First off, I'd like to talk about the Facebook page at Where Am I to Go podcast. It's on Facebook, and we've been posting some wonderful pictures of some of the places that we've been and some of the adventures that we've had. Not everything that we go and do is made into a podcast, and so we take pictures at different places and post those pictures so that you guys can enjoy some of the different places we've been. Also, I really am interested in listener feedback. I have an email address at podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear some of the listeners' comments and some of their ideas of places that might be interesting to visit and go and do. I'm on kind of a limited travel schedule as far as... Uh, the way that I travel and where I go. But if there is something extremely interesting, I would definitely do my best to build a trip around it. And the last thing and, and the latest thing is that I now have a Patreon account where if you want to hear the podcast early, you can go to Patreon forward slash Lauren Alberts Sign up for three, five, ten, whatever dollars if you were willing to support what I do and help us with our travel expenses and some of that kind of stuff. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. But what we're going to do is right now I have several podcasts that are banked, I guess you could say. I'm on, I think, number 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. And I've got close to 35 that I have waiting to go out. I only put out about every week because I want to be able to keep a nice, steady stream and not have a point in time when we have to shut down like a a lot of other podcasts do for season one, season two. I'd like to keep this thing going year-round. And I've been traveling quite a bit and have been hitting quite a few interesting places. We've been to a tattoo museum. We've been to the beach and have gone to several Uh, tourist attractions there, an underground tour, we did a cannery tour, we've just done all kinds of things, and I would love for you to be able to hear those early. So if you sign up with the Patreon, as soon as my editor Steve gets these things ready to go out, they will be put up on the Patreon page, and again, I would really appreciate your support. Now that I've got those things out of the way, I hope to hear from you, and I hope you keep on listening and now let's get on with the podcast hello and welcome to where am i to go podcast today we're in joseph oregon we're at the joseph community bank i mean community museum what is the name of it
0: it's called Wallawa county museum Wallawa
1: county museum
0: right it was the first bank of joseph
1: okay and we are here with jude she is going to take us through this fantastic little museum And we're going to talk about a lot of the displays. She's got some really interesting things here that I have never seen before. And we're going to talk about uh, some of the displays and we're going to talk about some of the history of this county. But before we get started, let's talk about the area in general, because Joseph is a cute little town. You've got Enterprise just a little ways away. You've got the Eagle Cap Wilderness area right close. You've got Walawa Lake. You've got all kinds of recreation. Tell us a little bit about what you've got here as far as areas for somebody to come visit. Because it's kind of out of the way. It's, it's north of Interstate 84 or 80. I don't know what it's called. 84. 84. It's north of Interstate 84 by probably an hour, hour and a half. But it's definitely worth the visit. The scenery's great. And give us some recreational hints.
0: Okay. So... Um... <clears throat> Wallowa County is in the northeast corner of Oregon. If you can imagine a map of Oregon, it kind of butts up to Idaho and Washington. From um, the town of Joseph, you can see the seven devils in Idaho on a clear day. We sit at about uh, 4,100 feet in town and our mountains go up to about 9,000 feet. Wallowa Lake Tram is up at Wallowa Lake. It's a wonderful tram up to the top of one of the mountains and they have a little restaurant up there and you can walk all over the mountains. We have uh, a lot of lakes in the high mountains that hikers love to walk to. It's, it is the Eagle Cap Wilderness, as you said. There's about 40 some odd lakes you can hike to. The highest is Lagore, and there's actually natural garnets up there, uh, wow. which are pretty amazing. You can find them in the scree up there. There were gold mines in the county, um, not too much anymore. A lot of hiking trails. The main street of Joseph is filled with cute little boutique shops. We're the home of Chief Joseph Days, which is a rodeo, which happens the last full weekend of August each year. So we have a lot of events here. You can go down to the Snake River through Imnaha, there's a little tavern down there. That's we just went to Imnaha
1: today. We ate there at the little tavern. Yeah, the it's food great. was very good. The drive was absolutely gorgeous, and Imnaha is a neat little town.
0: It is. You are correct, and it's on a little river down there. We have fly fishermen. Wallawa Lake is about 282 feet deep, so we have great kokanee. In fact, the world record kokanee was caught in Wallawa Lake a number of years ago.
1: Wow. And
0: uh, we have trout and mackinaw on the lake, so kind of a fisherman's paradise. The lake uh, was carved out by glaciers, and it has uh, one of the most perfect example of terminal and lateral moraines anywhere. So it's quite a sight to see.
1: Okay, that sounds awesome. And like I said, it's, it's a pretty drive to get here, well worth yes. the trip, spend a day. It's, it's very nice. So, let's talk about your museum. You said that it is in the first bank that was here in the county?
0: Right, it's the first bank of Joseph, and it was built in 1888. It's a two-story building, and for those of you that really like architecture, the style is Italianate, which was kind of rare out in this part of the country. It um, is an interesting bank building. We have uh, really tall windows, 13-foot ceilings, A lot of the original light fixtures are still in here, and the layout of the bank is as it was originally. The only thing we've done is we've brought the stairway indoors. The stairway used to be outside.
1: Okay, and then you said the building also had a history as a community center upstairs and then a hospital or a doctor's office?
0: Right. The whole place, uh, the bottom floor was a bank, and the upstairs was a community center. They would have dances and board meetings and things like that up there. Then after the bank closed, a doctor took over and the downstairs was doctor's office and the upstairs was a kitchen and uh, recovery rooms for patients. And at one point it was a one room schoolhouse upstairs. So there's a very long, all slate blackboard, uh, the full length of the upstairs.
1: And, and still a lot of school items that are up yes. there from when this was a school. And there's a lot of bank items from when it was a bank. So. Abs-
0: absolutely. The original vault is downstairs and people can walk through it with a lot of the old ledgers and stuff in there. Um, we have some wonderful saloon items. We have a beautiful free lunch counter like people have never seen with curved glass doors. It was in a saloon, and if you bought a beer, you got free lunch, and you could go make it yourself for the purchase of a beer.
1: I was looking at this piece. It looks like it has an icebox on top. It's probably uh, 8 foot tall and about probably 8 foot long, but it's got curved glass windows. I'm assuming those lift up like the old roll-top desks. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, it has a slide that comes out that you could have your sandwiches or whatever it was that they were serving that day and then yeah. you've got the icebox up on top to keep everything cool right,
0: right. this is
1: really a neat piece of uh, furniture
0: yeah it was in a local saloon and uh, when the saloon closed they gave it to the museum so it's kind of a fun piece so the downstairs is a combination of bank items with the tellers counters and the bank vault and such
1: and you've got a poker table set up here.
0: Yep. Just that- as
1: you walk in, and and how much is this museum? Just out of curiosity,
0: it's four dollars unless you're a senior citizen, and then it's three dollars.
1: Dang, that's too affordable.
0: <laughs> it's very reasonable. Yes. And then you
1: have several books here, you know, kind of a gift area, but these are in an old uh, display uh, counter that's got glass front. Yes. And then you've got several typewriters and the old-style cameras and some of that in another display case. And then we move down to the next one, and you've got some fossils.
0: Yeah, some um, mammoth molars and vertebrae from dinosaurs.
1: Mammoth um, molars. Did yes. those come from here?
0: Yes, they were all dug up here. Everything in the museum came from here in the county. Wow. Um, every item in here, whether it's the Native American artifacts or the pictures or whatever.
1: And you've got a lot of pictures here on the wall.
0: We have a ton of pictures.
1: You do have a ton of pictures. Everywhere there's pictures. If you're into seeing old pictures and the way things were done in bygone days, this has a pictorial history that is just phenomenal. And then you said that you have the president's uh, office. and And the president must have been highly regarded because his office is all of about eight by eight.
0: And they're yes. using this
1: for a storage room right now.
0: Yes, yes we are.
1: But uh you you can see that and then also the vault had some really interesting things in it. Uh she opened up the vault for us a little bit earlier and they've got a beautiful picture. Is that the, and that's an original picture that's on there?
0: Yes, it is. And uh the vault actually has double doors going in and amazing etched metalwork on it.
1: Oh, yeah, there's flowers and uh, all kinds of uh, scroll work done on this, all all engraved into steel.
0: One of the fun things we uh, found recently was the 1908 presidential ballot for William Howard Taft. And it's not filled out yet. Oh, really? No, it's blank. So it was an extra ballot uh, from 1908. But all of the books in here are ledgers from the bank and local businesses, Uh, from about 1887 to about 1940 in here. Okay. post office things.
1: And then you've got another display case over here. And the thing that I saw that was really interesting or caught my eye was the leather fire helmets.
0: Yes. Uh, Leather was uh, fireproof for the firemen. And on the top of the helmet is a brass eagle that is holding up the banner that says, Joseph fire department and that brass ankle was actually used for breaking glass when they needed to. So, uh, they're beautifully preserved and a fire hose and, um, a lot of items like, uh, banks, certificates, checkbooks, uh, that type of thing. Uh,
1: and then, and then I see, I see a picture Yes. and this picture is of Dave and Minnie Tucker. Yes, And there's a story behind this that she's going to tell us while we're walking on into the next area where we're going.
0: Absolutely. So Dave Tucker was a local resident. And in 1896, he wanted to marry his sweetheart, Minnie, did not have enough money for a wedding ring. And he met two tourists that happened to be uh, not very savory people. And they talked him into robbing this very bank in 1896. So he was one of the two locals that was asked to rob the bank. And of the four men that robbed the bank, one of the drifters got away with $2,000. Another drifter was shot and killed. The two locals were arrested and spent a number of years in jail, including Dave Tucker. So after he got out of jail, he came back and he married Minnie. Minnie. And bought a little ranch and about 20 some odd years later he had redeemed himself from the community and he became an investor in the bank that was the successor bank to this one um, and after he became an investor they made him vice president of the bank that he had robbed and the town wasn't concerned at all they thought it was just fine.
1: And your statement was Joseph is the only place where you can rob the bank and become the vice, vice president.
0: president. <laughs> You're right. You are right. That's
1: that's, that's a good, a really good story, I think. <laughs> okay, now we came into your...
0: My Western room. And in this room, there's a wide variety of items. Everything in the museum was used here in the county. And so we have um, uh, hay lifts, uh, fence looms, uh, Bron- bucking uh, Bronco saddles, all kinds of items, a couple of safes, printer presses, uh, some two women's saddles that were actually side saddles. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. I used to ride horse a lot and there was no way I would ever get on a side saddle. And, you never um,
1: did try the side saddle? No,
0: My da- My
1: daughter rides quite a bit yes. and she always wanted a side saddle. And so she would ride side saddle, but then she wanted to try jumping. And she actually was able to jump in the side saddle.
0: That's amazing. Usually the women fell off on the ground, Uh and the man was the hero and would come save him. So. But a side um,
1: saddle, just so that you know what it is, you sit sideways so that you're dressed so that you don't have to be straddled in a dress across your your saddle to ride it like the men did. You rode it off to the side. It has kind of a horn that, well, a, a split horn that yep. you're able to wrap your arm around or grab onto or yep. whatever for a little bit of balance, but you were sitting sideways with both legs off the same side of the horse.
0: Yes, yes. And then we have a World War I cavalry saddle that is just beautiful here. So there's a lot of uh, brands, branding irons. We have one really unusual branding iron that was uh, made for a rancher, and it actually looks... It's supposed to be kind of a smiley face, but it looks like skull and crossbones, which is one you'll never see anywhere. So a lot of items down in here, um, including stills. Uh, we had a lot of stills in the area clear up into the late 50s and early 60s, especially down towards Imnaha. Stills were pretty prevalent down there. And uh, it, it's just an interesting part of Western history.
1: You've got a, a press here for uh, printing.
0: Yes. We had a number of newspapers in the county. Almost every town, Wallowa, Lostine, um, Joseph and Enterprise, they all had their own newspapers. And so we do have a printing press in here. A lot of stone grinders, um, blacksmithing tools, of course.
1: And even a few pairs of woolly shaps.
0: Yes, some woolly shaps. You've got to have those. This would have been uh, the 75th anniversary of Chief Joseph Days, which they're going to celebrate next year. So we have a whole tribute exhibit to that.
1: And what exactly was Chief Joseph Days?
0: Chief Joseph Days is a rodeo. It lasts about five days, always the last full weekend of July every year. And so you can look it up on your calendar and see this year when it's coming up. If you like PBR rodeos, it's kind of interesting. We're going past something that is kind of fun. It's a dive helmet made in 1926.
1: Holy smokes. The
0: dive helmet weighs 70 pounds, is all steel, and they actually used it to dive in Walawa Lake, and it's something you just kind of have to see.
1: And how deep did that go? You said Walawa Lake was 270 feet deep?
0: 282, but they didn't go that deep. Um, they walked around at the other end of the lake a little bit and at this end, the town end of the lake, uh, and they did not go super deep because of uh, the oxygen and stuff and how long their cable was that allowed them to go down.
1: Now, this helmet, I, I've, <laughs> I'm, I've scuba-dived a little bit, and I've been to a couple of dive museums. I have never seen anything like this. It looks like a tree that's... Uh, 15 inches in diameter, and, and it's two foot tall and has a mask window on it that's probably uh, six by ten, and I don't know what this great big nose-looking thing is, but it looks just like a great big tree face that, yes. that people carve.
0: Yes, it does.
1: Wow, and it weighs 75 pounds.
0: Yes, it's amazing.
1: It is. Um, that, that, now, that that's worth being to the museum just to see this thing. <laughs> I am just flabbergasted here I I sent
0: a picture of it to a dive company I've been diving with before and they had the same experience you did that it's just amazing (laughs) to see and now we're in the Nez Perce room Uh, the Nez Perce Indians lived here they were kind of the first summer visitors to Wallawa County they lived around the Pacific Northwest um, and probably the most famous stories of Chief Joseph and Chief Joseph in um, uh, the War of uh, 1877. It was the battle where he went 1,400 to 1,500 miles up towards Canada to try to save uh, his tribe. And it's when the white man started to kind of take over Wallawa County at that time. So old Chief Joseph is actually buried at Wallawa Lake. His uh, grave is up there. He was buried in the town of Walawa, an, and in about 1926, the tribe decided to move his body to the lake, and so he is interred there.
1: Okay, and in this room, you have a, a teepee that's all set up, canvas. Yes. You've got, you said that you had this stone, and, or set of stones, so that kids could practice yeah. grinding grain.
0: Absolutely. It's, you know, we see mortars and pestles, and we see the stone grinding um, situation but very seldom do you actually get to try it to figure out how long it takes and what effort it takes. So we'll put corn down and let the kids grind corn, and it's pretty amazing to see their expression after they've done it. And they start to understand what it takes to make this.
1: Yeah, it doesn't just come in a bag at the store.
0: No, no, it does not. And then you've got
1: a... Uh, horse with, with a travoy behind it.
0: Yes. that and,
1: That is a set of poles that comes on back with a carrying place so that they could carry their belongings on long tracks. Right. Now is this what they were doing when they were fleeing from, I'm assuming they were fleeing from the Calvary.
0: They were fleeing from the Calvary and there were some travois, but they were fleeing fast. So a lot of things were left behind and not taken with them. Um, during that run when they went up to Canada and some of them actually made it to Canada and I believe um, Chief Joseph, young Chief Joseph's daughter was about the only one that made it all the way back uh, to Lapway in that area from Canada. So uh, they dispersed in Canada and then some of them didn't make it all the way to Canada. So it was. there's a lot of different uh, stories about how they dispersed at that time.
1: And were there skirmishes on this whole tra- oh, uh, yes. trail ride? Yes, yes. And? There's
0: all kinds of accounts. One of my favorite books was written by a man named Alvin Giuseppe, who is now deceased. But you can still find his books online and buy them. And they are amazing accounts. Alvin actually spent time with Nez Perce elders and talked to them about the stories and got more first hand quotes than I think anyone else did okay, um, and what was
1: the name of that book again
0: uh, Alvin Josephffi, like the word Joseph only with a y okay joseph and he wrote a number of books
1: just uh, okay
0: yes, but they 're excellent for people to buy and um uh Understand the Nez Perce uh, trials and tribulations.
1: Now, were there any victories on the Nez Perce side on the way, or was most of this just uh, slaughter on the way to Canada?
0: So, y- yes, there were some victories, and um, one one of the victories was for a long time West Point taught Chief Joseph's battle plan at West Point oh, because really? they found it so amazing, and I found that a great trivia piece about uh, the skill of this man. And uh, then, you know, he surrendered, and that's that famous quote, I will fight no more, uh, from Chief Joseph. It was a really heartwarming story. And so, uh, this, this is kind of the, the start of it. There were other skirmishes before they left this area, too, in other areas. Okay. But, it, but at that time in our country's history, a lot of native tribes were having skirmishes over property. Uh, and wars and, and such. And, and,
1: and animals, hunting grounds. And yes, all and hunting that, yes, grounds. Yes.
0: There were a lot of uh, great stories about Chief Joseph's men and uh, women and how they got along with the white people here in the county. And uh, A.C. Smith was one of the people, and the McCully family uh, were a couple of the people that the Nez Perce had great bonds with here in the county. So it wasn't... It wasn't all one way. It was very sad, and there were a lot of deaths and a lot of stories about that. But um, there, there were some excellent times before the war started between the people, and even stories about watching cattle. Uh, Chief Joseph would watch somebody's cattle, some white person's cows, or vice versa or something, during the months where they weren't all here. So there's, it, it's such a long history, and... Uh, so passionate on both sides. So we do this room as a tribute to the Nez Perce tribe that had this area. We have some beautiful beadwork, leather and beadwork, uh, that are all Nez Perce. Of course, some arrowheads, uh, some mortar and pestles. The, the longest pestle we have is about 20 inches long, which was wow. an amazing uh, length. We have um, Columbia Basin... Basalt outcroppings here. So there's a lot of items that come from that. And a really nice berry picking back basket and a piece of rope that was all handmade by the Nez Perce down here.
1: And this basket's really cool. It's got kind of a concave bottom and has, it, it's wrapped. It's the thing's 12 inches long and probably six inches in diameter and has some uh, rawhide straps that come on up for carrying. I've never seen anything quite like that. I think it's a really neat piece that you've got here. It Caught my eye.
0: It's amazing. One piece that will be coming out for next summer um, is a piece that's yet to be identified. And if you thought of the shape of kind of a cross, but with the ends of the upright bar more pointed, and it's carved out of Columbia Basin basalt and completely smooth. And we've showed it to a lot of museums and uh, nobody has a clue what it was used for. So it's going to be an interesting one. Nobody's seen one like it. We've identified the rock as coming from this area, but nobody's quite certain. And, and the best guess is that it was used for smoothing out leather. And that will be out here next year. Plus... A um, poison dart quiver. Oh really? Yes.
1: And what were they using for the poison?
0: So they used a couple of different flowers um, and I'll probably mispronounce this. It was like Drury or Drury flower. It was a white flower that almost looked like um, a five uh, Petaled white flower. that they used and so they used a lot of different things saps from trees and such and uh, it's got Almost a heavy grass that is the dart and uh, like some lamb's wool that's wrapped around the tap and then a ball mounted on the quiver that uh, the lamb's wool and the poison was in and you dip it in that and use the poison darts. And it's a very unusual piece. So it was found uh, here in Willowa County in about 1900 uh, and was given to a historian at that time who then his family passed it on to us, so we can track it back to about 1900. Wow. But it'll be out here next year.
1: And I I knew that they did the poison dart thing down to South America and some of those areas. I had no idea that it was part of the native culture here.
0: Yeah, and the Cherokees did it a lot, and so it's been very fun kind of tracking down the history of it and uh, very similar looking to the South American ones. But remember, the Native Americans traded with everybody. Right. You know, if they're... The Nez Perce, if they could get in a boat and go down a river or up a river, they would they would trade with them, you know. And so there were things in all different areas that came from other tribes, not just war trophies. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Let's take a look outside real quick. Okay. We're right here. Okay. And uh, out, out the back door here, uh, she showed me a little bit earlier that they have the women's prison cell.
0: Yes. And yes. And...
1: Yeah, this thing's like <laughs> six by six, maybe, and it's just uh, bands of steel that look like quarter inch steel that's uh, two and a half inch steel and pretty well reinforced. But you were saying that there weren't many women that were imprisoned here.
0: Well, there couldn't be just from the size of the jail. And um, I, th- I think that that's probably a good sign, but it is, it is very heavy. And uh, it would.
1: There's not even room for somebody to sleep in there. No,
0: if you look at this, it, uh, it is heavy doors, and you can stand up, but an average person could not lay down in it. Wow. Isn't that amazing. It
1: is amazing. Yep. The conditions. We did a prison uh, museum in Deer Lodge, Montana. And they were talking about the difference between the women's prison and the men's. Now I think we think that the women's prison was uh, a lot nicer than the men's, <laughs> but back in the day, the women really had it so much tougher than what the men did.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And
1: then you've got a sheepherder's wagon out here, yes. and and some old saws, some old double-handled saws.
0: Yep. Yeah, a variety. And these of ones items. here are
1: pretty doggone big. I guess that's because the trees up here are pretty big.
0: They're pretty big. Yeah. And uh, back in those days, man, you had to be tough to do anything out in the West, and you know, I was talking to some kids the other day who were touring the museum, and we were talking about the washing machines, and we actually have a washing machine upstairs that you rock the handle back and forth, and there's kind of a cradle that holds the clothes. And I spoke to a woman who had used one when she was a small child. She was almost 100 years old. And she said you had to rock that cradle for an hour for this small load of clothing in order to get it clean. So, you know, nowadays we push on and we push start and we go about our lives. But right. you had to stand there and rock that. Well, but they for were probably
1: really happy to have that one versus the washboard.
0: Exactly. You
1: know, I mean, everything was an improvement. The washboard took you two hours to do that same load of clothes.
0: Exactly.
1: And so I guess it's it was. Hey, we're uptown now, <laughs> and then yeah. we just came up a set of stairs, coming to the upstairs of this museum, and there's several pictures of churches
0: mm-hmm. and
1: some of the older. Uh, Uh, settlers I'm assuming here. Right. And some of that and lots of neat pictures, old pictures.
0: All of these photos are of people from the county.
1: Okay, picture of the first settler at Enterprise, W.M. Bennett and he's standing there with his legs crossed and in a top hat. Just neat pictures. Oh yeah. And then we get to (laughs) Something that's really fascinating, when we were at the Prison Museum in Deer Lodge again, they were talking about how the hangings or the executions were an item of community gatherings. Yes. And she just so happens to have four invitations to hangings, hanging on the wall. And these are the actual invitations that people received so that they could come on down and witness a hanging.
0: Exactly. They had to have so many people in order to do the hanging. They had to have so many witnesses. And these four were sent to our county sheriff. And uh, it tells the person's name and what crime they committed. And then when they're going to be hung and they have to, the sheriff would have to uh, send an RSVP, as it were, that he was coming before they could plan the day of the hanging. Because of the number of witnesses they needed, in each county, the number of witnesses would change.
1: Okay, now was the community also invited, or did they just show up or, or? Some,
0: Both. You know, some areas, um, it was only invited people, depending on the county you were in or the city you were in, and sometimes people would just show up to witness the hanging. These four um, one of the most interesting ones, I've always heard that sometimes people are like their name. And this guy's name is Pleasant Armstrong. And I kind of have a feeling since he murdered some people, he wasn't very pleasant. But uh,
1: I guess you can get away with murder if you have the right name.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Talk he, about pulling the wool over people's eyes. Oh,
0: yeah. So, some very interesting pictures. One of the kind of fun ones that we just recently uh, hung up is during Prohibition. And they're actually pouring bottles of what look like whiskey or wine in the sewer. Grates in the street during prohibition and that's how in enterprise oregon they got rid of all the alcohol they just poured them down the sewer drains
1: wow And they didn't have anybody hanging out down below to take sips no no (laughs) (laughs) i know a lot of these towns have undergrounds that yes uh,
0: and we actually don't have an underground here we're one of the very few uh there was a silent movie filmed here in uh, may of 1925 and it was called Winds of Chance. It was filmed at Wallowa Lake, and it was about an Alaskan gold rush. You can find it on YouTube and watch it. Uh, It's silent. I'll give you the warning, there's no sound, not even any background piano music, but it was filmed up there. We had um, uh, a couple of movies filmed in the area over the years.
1: Okay, and that one was called Winds of Chance. Yes. In 1925, and you said it's on YouTube.
0: Yes, it's on YouTube.
1: A lot of those old films are just really fun to watch just because they're kind of fast-paced and, and uh, yeah, it leaves a lot to the imagination and, and at the same time shows you a lot.
0: Yes, you're they're, exactly they're fun. right. They're fun. So we're at a place now, we're upstairs, and this part was a schoolroom, as I told you, for a long time, and there's a pure slate blackboard, and we had 90, nine zero, 90 one-room schoolhouses in Willow County back in the day, uh, so it's kind of interesting to see where they were and see some of the children and the instructors and what the schoolhouse looked like. There's a few of them that aren't much more than a one-room log building and, uh, or a tiny shack, and that's where they went to school.
1: Is this floor school still standing?
0: Yes. Uh huh. I was going to say,
1: back when I was a kid, we used to come over this way elk hunting mm-hmm. back in the mid-70s. And I remember seeing that school because we used to hunt up in the Flora area.
0: They, um, and once a year, uh, Flora School will do like a Pioneer Day up there. Oh, really? And uh, they'll have blacksmiths out there. We have a, a gentleman here in town that actually won Forged in Fire. His name's, oh, really? Yeah, his name's Mike Rowley. And if you remember the Fortune Fire episodes, if you're a fan, they did uh, one where the person had to build two tomahawks that you could smoke. And Mike Rowley from Enterprise actually won that competition, and he will go out to Flora school days and show blacksmithing out in the middle of the field by the school, and they'll have people making quilts, and it's, it's a lot of fun that they still do those old heritage things.
1: Yes. And then I see the Troy School. Troy's kind of a not-there-anymore community, isn't it?
0: Well, no, Troy's still there. Um, They have a lot of people who go fishing down there. Right. And for a while, and I'm not certain right now, but for a while, Shiloh Inns owned the little motel there. I'm not certain if they still do. But there's a little motel that you can stay and uh, a little restaurant and a grocery store and that's, really? that's about what's in town.
1: I guess I only made it down to the river crossing. Maybe I never went all the way into Troy.
0: Troy is not easy to get to. Yeah,
1: yeah. no it's it's a it's a interesting <laughs> ride just getting down to the river. Yes. It's steep and and I don't know if it's still gravel but it was gravel, it's gravel and would usually take you 45 minutes to get from where the pavement was down to Troy and then it was a chore. I mean it was all uphill and wheels spinning and the gravel coming back out but like I said, I may not have ever made it all the way to the town. I know I made it down to the river several times.
0: Yeah, it's actually a beautiful river and uh, some great fly fishing down there. There's some gorgeous ranches down there that are along the river that aren't very close to town. But it's one of the few places you'll find if you get there at the right time of the year, they have an enormous hatch of monarch butterflies. Oh, really? And if you're there at the right time, you'll see a 1,000 Monarch butterflies flying in the air. It's, it's pretty wow. amazing to see.
1: Another reason to come to this area.
0: Yes, there's lots of them. There is so, there's so much
1: history here and, and so many little towns that uh, just yes. kind of aren't here anymore. Paradise was another one that yes. was out there someplace. That, yes, uh, you're right. And anyway... So you have some school desks here. It looks like several different styles.
0: Yes, four uh, one of them styles. had a bad
1: kid sitting in it because his initials are carved all over the place. But uh, the other ones look to be pretty good. You've got a chalkboard on one of the older ones. Yeah, an old
0: slate, and this is actually how the kids would do their classwork is on slate boards like this, and they're pure slate. You can see the crack in right. this one. We have a couple others that are put away that are in pristine condition. But uh, we do let kids draw on this just to see how they would do their work during days. It wasn't on paper.
1: Now, what vintage is this desk?
0: This, is, this desk is late 1800s.
1: Late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And it's what we're looking at one. is a little, does it have a lift top mm-hmm. so that no. you can, okay, mm-hmm. so it's a little solid uh, desk with a little chair that sits behind it, freestanding, almost looks, well, the top on it's probably uh, 20 by 24. And it's got a a 12 by 8 uh, chalkboard that sits right in the middle of it. Right. Along with an eraser. Yes. Did every uh, desk have an eraser also?
0: The kids would use their hands. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: I guess if you wanted to erase it and didn't want to use your hands, you'd get in trouble and when the teacher threw the uh, eraser at (laughs) you, you could erase real quick. Yeah. Not that I know anything about erasers flying. (laughs) Okay, and then you were telling about this Oregon educational exhibit. Now, this is really, really fascinating. We've got a box that is probably three foot by three foot, has a really nice glass-etched glass in it with a picture of a school, Wallawa School. Mm -hmm. And this exhibit, you were saying, was a traveling exhibit of sorts?
0: So in 1905... um There was what you might call a World's Fair now. At the time, it was called the Lewis and Clark Centennial uh, Exhibition in Portland. And this exhibit, this whole wood box, went uh, to Portland and was part of the displays. So if you went to Portland in 1905, you could walk through and you could see this exhibit. And it has a door that you can open. And inside are about a dozen panels, and on each panel is schoolwork from Wallawa County Children. This first panel is first graders, and it shows uh, um, music and uh, three-eighths chords. And, the... and it has
1: all the different notes on it.
0: Yeah, it has the different notes. And in cursive writing, this first-grade child said the rests are eight rests, okay? And it's in beautiful cursive penmanship. So this is like
1: in better penmanship than what I think anybody in my class had in fourth and fifth grade. This yes. cursive is just unbelievable, and they were teaching this in first grade.
0: You're absolutely correct. It's Did just... they
1: teach print in kindergarten, or or was that mom and dad's responsibility to teach them before they got there? Because we had a year and a half or two years just working on the cursive.
0: So at, uh, back in the day, there really wasn't a kindergarten. Uh, some little kids, if the family... Uh, was in such a position that they couldn't watch the tiny children. The little children might go to a one-room schoolhouse with an older sibling, but there really wasn't such a thing as kindergarten or preschool back in those days. Most of them stayed home and helped mom with chores at, at those young ages. So if they learned any penmanship or anything, it had to be from the parents before. And as you said, this is amazing cursive. And all through these dozen pages are incredible items, such as there's one uh, where first graders learned to stitch, and they were actually sewing through cardboard. There's uh, pictures of like a sheep that a second grader did, and it's an excellent drawing of a sheep.
1: Excellent. And the flowers are excellent. Oh, yes. I mean, just the fish, they've got so many things that are do I really want to do I really want to say beyond my skill level (laughs) but they are first graders doing stuff that 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 I honestly could not repeat right now but I'm not an artist Uh and my writing it just I just don't do enough of it to where my writing isn't pretty anymore I don't know (laughs) that it ever was pretty but you well, know, and that's a
0: very common statement. And when we're showing this to young children or school teachers, the school teachers are just amazed. There's some maps of Australia that were done by eighth graders and they are incredible. You can see the Hawaiian Islands, you can see Australia and all the outlying islands and they're all drawn by hand. And in those. But days, you're missing
1: the one point that I see here. Yes. And that is they're topographical
0: yes they've got the
1: topographical lines going off the coast
0: you're right it's it's yeah it's yeah it's just beyond belief and that was eighth graders and generally that came because your school teacher was a great teacher
1: one other thing that you had in here was back in the day we've talked about it I think when we've been to different ghost towns and seen some different old buildings What they would put on the ceilings and the walls is stretched canvas. Yeah. Well, they've got some examples of some of this stretched canvas that Mm -hmm. was hand-painted by the eighth graders, and the details for the wallpaper, which is, I guess, what you would call it, wall, canvas, something, uh, is just phenomenal, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Little tiny flowers with leaves on vines and just amazing drawings. And a lot of times... Um, the teachers had to have art skills so the kids could copy it. Because the teacher would draw that design on the blackboard, then the kids would copy it onto their paper. And it's very difficult to understand how much skill that teacher had to have. Lots, in lots of small areas, there were not books for the teachers. They would come to that small area to teach with whatever they had. There were no school books, you know. There, a lot of times there were no libraries. And lots of times the wealthy people, if they traveled out of the county, would bring a book back. So the teacher would borrow that book in order to teach their children and then give it back to that wealthy person. It's not like today where every student is given a book. Right. A, a book was uh, hard to come by and a rare commodity. So it's, it's a very different mindset on how class happened. But you've also got to remember that those little kids we were in a class with 8th graders and such. you write the one-room school. Yeah, so those older kids who had been in school longer would help teach the little kids, too. And it took a whole community to make that education.
1: See, and I always thought my grandma was extremely smart. Uh-huh. But grandma would always say, I only had a third-grade education. Right. And I'm going, how can grandma be that smart when she missed the other uh, yes. nine grades? But when you're looking at this and you're seeing the math skills that are demonstrated in there and Mm -hmm. the writing skills and everything else, it's just, it's amazing. Yes, it it is. It's very amazing.
0: It is, you're absolutely correct.
1: And then you've got a a old Singer treadle sewing machine here. Yes, yeah. And is that a military?
0: No, it is. This is actually a tux that was worn to a wedding. And it's his wedding suit with the wedding bow tie okay on it and it's circa 1900
1: okay and then you've Mm -hmm. got some other pictures of of guys wearing some pretty nice looking suits
0: right and some original patterns from the late 1800s some of the dress patterns have bustles and such
1: and as long as we're on clothing you've got some female mannequins over here wearing some early 1900 dress
0: yes and then the black dress is actually a wedding dress Oh really? From the early 1900s, people think that always women wore white at weddings. That was not not quite so because they would wear the the dress for other things. And this was 1884, uh, and it was her wedding dress. And that is the hat instead of a veil that she wore at the wedding.
1: No, I would have never ever thought of a black wedding dress. No, a funeral no. dress, yes. Yeah. But then you told me that you also have a dress here that is very unique and special.
0: Yes, this dress, um, I I wish people could see it. It's incredible. It's got layers of satin and layers of lace and ruffles and handmade roses cascading down from the waist. And It's It's kind of a golden color. Yeah, gold with white uh, lace, and the lace is handmade. And it was actually worn in 1888. To Henry Ford the first wedding back East a lady here in town was invited to the wedding and uh, she and her mother made this incredible dress that uh, is encased in an oak case here so people can see it and it's it's quite amazing to see
1: and then we come on (laughs) over here to what I can only describe as an electric chair. <laughs> I've seen these before, and every time I see them, it looks like the most horrendous machine you could ever be, or contraption that you could be hooked up to, but it's an old perm machine. And yes. it's, it sits about six foot tall and has wires hanging down all over the place with little clips on the end. And this is an electric perm machine. It
0: is. They would. These metal clips. Um, were wrapped in the hair and they would try to keep it away from the scalp and sometimes they would actually remember to put rubber or some cloth between the scalp and the clip and after you got about 25 clips in your hair somebody would plug you into the wall and hopefully unplug you before your hair totally fried off and it was uh, quite infamous I'm not going to say famous but uh, it it was pretty interesting It does look like a torture machine but they actually thought they would this is uh, the beautician's size because it's big they actually thought that people might buy a portable one to take home with them so we have the portable one also
1: and I have never ever seen the portable one yeah this one here is is small she says it weighs 25 pounds uh, and it's it's probably 10 inch diameter and stands eight inches tall but again has all the wires coming out the side has all the little clips for curling your hair and a timer yeah oh maybe you won't burn your hair with that one
0: maybe but here's the meter that you can put more voltage through it or less voltage (laughs) and um yeah it's it's quite unique something that is along that line that we didn't talk about so we do have a medical section in here and um we have a shock machine from the early 1900s that they would hook you up to this electric wire and shock you and it was supposed to cure every ailment you had and it was considered as absolute quackery but one of the doctors here in the county had it Um, we also have an artificial hand from the 1920s really and they called it the farmer's hand because generally farmers or ranchers would lose arms or hands before city people did
1: the old farm equipment was not very osha approved
0: yeah, you're exactly right now is
1: this as long as we're here with the with the electric uh, curlers is uh-huh. this a hair dryer
0: it is a hair this dryer. looks
1: like a bicycle helmet or a football helmet yeah stuck on a on a fan
0: yes and it is a hair dryer and as you can see it's pretty narrow in this inside so lots of times women's ears would get burned because so much heat came through it.
1: Even though they have the ventilation on, yeah. the, on the side for the ears. Yeah,
0: because the ears were down a little oh, bit lower okay. Okay. Than, than right here. So, yeah, it's made very different because this is actually the side of your hair. So, okay. And um, more washing machines and irons. And little little of,
1: bed setups, you know, yes. with a with, uh, bedroom. You've got your dresser and your chair mm-hmm. with the stuffed bears in it right yeah and, and a bed with a uh i guess it would be brass but it's, it's probably more wrought iron that's it's painted It's iron.
0: uh-huh you're right
1: and yeah. some clothes hanging on the on the partition wall and then we go to the next little uh set and we've got some uh rocking chairs we've got an old radio uh, yep. old phonograph that's a wind-up phonograph for the old 78 records clock on the wall, and then we have a kitchen set up that's got the wood stove, and you've got a porcelain doll, several yeah. uh, rug beaters, and dust pans, and dust feather dusters.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, the White House cookbook. What old uh, farmhouse wouldn't want a White House cookbook? It was pretty famous back in the day. And these glasses, we actually got from a an estate and this elderly woman um, the stems broke off her glasses so she glued the stems into blocks of wood so the glasses would still stand up
1: and, and, and we've got a, we've got about a three inch by three inch block of wood with yeah. a stem drilled in it and glued <laughs> in it for cups I guess you didn't need coasters with these ones no
0: didn't need <laughs> coasters uh, Wow a variety of items We had uh, quite a lot of bands here in the county. A band was a big thing, and in 1905 at the fair, the Lewis and Clark Exposition, our Willow County Band took second place of all the bands there, and we have a couple of the instruments that were taken um, to that uh, exposition for our band to play.
1: Whatever happened to all those bands? I mean, every town, when you look at the old... uh Norman Rockwell pictures and stuff. You see the bands in the parades and the bands in the uh, gazebo down in the park and all yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And all that's
0: gone. Yeah, we still have quite a few small bands here. Um, some very famous uh, musicians have come from here. If, uh, if you're the people listening, look up Brady Goss. Brady Goss uh, is an amazing musician who came from here as is Kale Moon, and they, he, Kale Moon's Western. And uh, Brady Goss plays like Jerry Lee Lewis. Okay. And he actually came from our small town, so we have a few musicians that have come out of this area still.
1: And do they come back and, and play concerts in the park? Or? Yes,
0: they do. Yes, okay, they do. and
1: Joseph's really kind of converted itself into an artsy yeah, uh, we, atmosphere.
0: We have three foundries that are here now. Uh, the first foundry was started by Glenn Anderson, And it's called Valley Bronze. Uh, Glenn has since passed, but Valley Bronze is still casting fine art. And we have about a dozen sculptures on Main Street that were all cast here in town, and they're permanent on Main Street. Uh, Artists from all over the world have cast their fine art bronze here in our county. So we're very much an artsy town in a lot of ways. We have a vintage car show in August each year, uh, um, art walks in September. There's always something going on. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. And now we're to the the <laughs> medical display here. Yeah. We've got an old wheelchair, the old wicker wheelchair. Mhm. And uh a couple of bread, bed pans, excuse me.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> and your electric shock machine.
0: Yes. Wow.
1: So you grabbed onto the handles and shocked away.
0: Yes, you did
1: and the artificial hand now that's actually got fingers i was expecting to see one of the metal hands that had the apparatus that worked from the shoulder
0: yeah and if you look closely the fingers are kind of like a slinky yeah but they don't actually bend except for the thumb and the index finger it's mostly for looks
1: well what do you need besides an opposable thumb they say that's what's made everything for us better
0: yeah and the way it worked it actually went to an arm and um, there's a cord coming out of it that attached into the arm. And when you bent your elbow, it would make the index finger and the thumb come together so you could pick something up. Okay. Uh, so you could feed yourself that type huh. of idea. Yes.
1: But it looks like a hand, like you said, with just a... If you had a glove on, yeah. uh, you'd think that there was actually a hand on the inside.
0: Right, right. It's pretty good looking for as old as it, it, it is. It
1: really is. And yeah. then you've got a child's coffin. Yep. And it says never used. Yes. Uh, I'm glad that that's the case. <laughs> Otherwise, that means it had to have been dug up first. Right. And you got that from a warehouse in Flora.
0: Yes, in Flora. We were talking about Flora yeah, earlier. a little bit yes. earlier.
1: And then this is an early x-ray reader.
0: Right. And we got that from Willow Memorial Hospital. And it's a very early x-ray film reader.
1: And when we say film reader, we're just talking about the glass with the light behind it that shows through so that you can see the x-ray coming through. And then you were saying that uh, you've got a kitchen display that you're in the process of working on.
0: Yes, our kitchen will be open for next summer season. And so people will be able to tour the old kitchen.
1: And this kitchen was used when it was a community hall, and then you said remodeled in the 20s?
0: Yes, in the 20s and used during um, the time the hospital was here. And there's actually a pass-through so they could pass food through to the patients in the other room. And uh, quite a few cupboards. Uh, We do have a collection of all of the high school yearbooks from the county that are right now stored in the kitchen. Um, But by next summer, this will be... Um, a working kitchen for people to come see. That's cool. Yeah, with a wood-burning stove and the whole thing.
1: And then you've got a military, World War One military display that has some uh, uniforms, a Navy uniform, Army uniform,
0: uh-huh.
1: a pea coat, yeah. a, a Red Cross flag, mm-hmm. and some sea rations. It's, it's a small display, but it, it has quite a bit of stuff here.
0: Yes, yes. We had a lot of World War vets um, from here and World War II, World War I and II, uh, a few Civil War. There's a great monument in Enterprise in front of the courthouse to our war vets down there that okay. people should stop and see as they're coming through Enterprise. Okay.
1: So is there other things that we're missing or have we pretty much been we, through?
0: We've kind of traveled through and we've glossed over a whole bunch of things. And
1: That we have.
0: And um, would love to have people come see us. We're open uh, last week of May through the end of September each year. We're not open the winter months, but um, we're open the entire summer months. And... It's it's a lot of fun to see.
1: Do you have a website that people can get on and take? And do you have pictures on the website?
0: Uh, we have a Facebook page. Okay. It's Wallawa County Museum uh, on Facebook. And, and spell Wallawa. W a l l o w a. Okay. Wallawa. Yes. And,
1: okay, so Wallawa County
0: Museum. Museum. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's a fun Facebook page. They can ask us for information, and we post about weekly. Uh, unusual photos that we've found in the museum, things that people don't get to see on display. Okay, that sounds yeah. like fun. So it's fun Facebook page. Okay. Yes.
1: Well, I really appreciate your time here, Jude. Uh, take us through this and show us this museum. It's been fantastic talking with you. And the world is full of wonder.
0: Yes, People it is. need
1: to get out and explore and yep. have a wonder-filled day.
0: All the rolling go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a
1: young and a sailor
0: lad, and where am I to go?